Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, September 29th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The UK market turmoil has morphed into a political mess. Brazil is days away from an epic presidential election. So this election has been described as the most consequential since the return of democracy to Brazil. And buckle up, because Porsche is listing on the stock market today. I'm Sonia Hudson, in for Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The Bank of England is in crisis mode. Last week, Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng announced a tax cut and borrowing plan. Financial markets totally lost it. The pound plummeted and there was a sell-off in the UK government bond market. So yesterday, the central bank launched an emergency bond buying program to stabilize the government debt markets and pensions. The Bank of England is planning to spend £5 billion a day for the next few weeks buying long-dated bonds. The move boosted bond prices and yields dropped. But the political damage is done. The FT's George Parker says there's even a backlash among Conservative Party members. Tweets from one Conservative MP from Liz Truss's own party saying this inept madness cannot go on. So this is one Conservative MP completely laying into his own government. And there's just a general sense of disbelief. What does this mean for the Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng? I mean, he's the guy behind this plan that sparked the whole mess. Um, There are a number of Conservative MPs privately who think that this episode has finished him off. Maybe not this week or next week, but at some point in the future, that your credibility as Chancellor of the Exchequer can never recover from this kind of complete chaos. So yes, it might be expedient at some point for Liz Trust to throw quasi quarting overboard, but it'd be a very risky strategy. It'd be a total admission of defeat. They both work together on this package of measures. They're the embodiment of everything they've believed in. This whole idea of cutting taxes, cutting regulation, letting free enterprise rip, this is all part of the credo, not just of quasi quarting, but particularly of Liz Truss, his boss. All right, so we may be sticking with Liz Truss and Quasi Quarteng for the time being. For the time being, yes. Although, of course, it's only three weeks since Liz Truss became prime minister. So it's strange that we find ourselves here even discussing the possibility that the chancellor and the prime minister might have their job on the line. And certainly, I mean, this is a really serious existential threat to the government. If you lose control of your economy, people wonder what on earth you're doing. And look, I mean, these are early days. Markets go up and down. Opinion polls go up and down. Quasi Quasi and Liz Trust are sticking to the policy. They're hoping that the markets are stabilized and that over the coming weeks things will calm down. They'll be able to roll out some more supply side reforms in areas like digital, City of London reform, childcare, to try to convince the markets and the British public that they have a plan to revitalize the British economy and hope to move on. George Parker is the FT's political editor. The European Union is trying to inflict more pain on Russia for invading Ukraine. In its latest package of sanctions, its eighth so far, the EU will cap the price it pays for Russian oil. It'll also ban more Russian exports. The new sanctions are estimated to reduce Russia's revenues by 7 billion euros each year. 
Brussels is also banning Europeans from serving on the boards of Russian state-owned enterprises. Voters in Brazil head to the polls this Sunday for an epic presidential election. President Jair Bolsonaro is running for re-election in order to keep leading Latin America's largest economy. That's Bolsonaro at a recent rally. He's actually trailing his challenger, Luis Inacio Lula da Silva, the left-wing former president that's known just as Lula. There's already some suggestions that Bolsonaro may not accept election results if he loses. To find out more, I'm joined now by our Brazil correspondent, Michael Pooler. Hey, Michael. Hi there. How's it going? It's going well. Thanks. Michael, can you remind us why this election is so important? So this election has been described as the most consequential since the return of democracy to Brazil during the 1980s following its 21-year military dictatorship. You have these two political nemeses who present very different visions of the future for Latin America's most populous country, which is one of the world's largest economies. But a big question is whether they have the adequate toolkit and ambition to address Brazil's big economic challenges. Over the past decade, the economy's barely grown. There's been a drop in living standards. And Brazil, which was once an emerging markets darling, has really disappointed. So what are candidates saying they're going to do to improve living standards and the economy? What's their pitch to voters? So there's been precious little detail, really, on economic policy during the campaign. So from Bolsonaro, we can expect a continuation of the pro-business and market-friendly policies. And the government has managed some reforms in the economy. They've granted independence to the central bank. They've undertaken a pensions overhaul. And they've had some privatizations as well. But they were frustrated in some of the more ambitious reforms, such as overhauling the tax system, which is notoriously complex. Now, Lula, true to his left-wing credentials, he wants greater public investment in infrastructure. He plans to put a firmer hand on the state-controlled oil company Petrobras, and he wants Brazil to play a greater role in the clean energy transition. Well, there's also concern that Bolsonaro may not accept the results if he loses. How big of a deal is this? So this really is The big question in the run-up to the Brazilian elections, what will Bolsonaro do if he doesn't win? He's repeatedly alleged that Brazil's electronic voting machines are vulnerable to fraud, although he's never provided any evidence to back these claims. And it's quite similar to the narrative woven by Donald Trump in the build-up to the last US election. So the worry among Bolsonaro's opponents is that he's laying the groundwork to reject possible defeat. And these concerns have been fueled by comments he's made. Last year, for example, he said at a big at a big demonstration, I only have three possible fates, arrest, death or victory, and I'll never be arrested. Now, most experts don't believe that there'll be any kind of military coup. Rather, the concern is about disorder on the streets. We've seen sporadic incidents of political violence and even a handful of killings in the run up to this ballot, which has really put people on edge. Michael, you mentioned the comparison to the run-up to the U.S. election two years ago. I'm curious, are Brazilian voters and politicians as polarized as they are in the U.S.? Now, without doubt, these two leading candidates are very polarizing characters who are loved and loathed. 
Bolsonaro supporters regard him as a beacon of traditional Christian values and a warrior in the fight against corruption. He was already known for bigoted remarks towards gays, women and indigenous before he was elected. But during his mandate, he really has alienated many Brazilians, um, notably with his uncaring attitude towards COVID-19 and talking down the importance of vaccines. Now for Lula, he served for two terms as president previously between 2003 and 2010. And he was feted internationally for reducing poverty. He had a lot of spending on social programs, which was to a large extent funded by a commodities boom in the early years of this century. However, he had a huge fall from grace after he was ensnared in a big corruption scandal. Lula was even jailed. And although his convictions were overturned last year by the Supreme Court, many Brazilians do not view him as innocent. Michael Pooler is the FT's Brazil correspondent. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. Before we go, Porsche is hitting the gas on its IPO today. Its parent company, Volkswagen, is listing the sports car brand on the Frankfurt stock market, and it's selling 911 million shares. That's the same number as Porsche's flagship model. The listing is expected to be one of Europe's biggest initial public offerings of the year. Shares are expected to start listing around 82 euros. You can read more on all these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.